0: Yesterday, we began looking at the first attack by Zophar upon Job. We saw that he accused Job of being guilty before God, and certainly Job was guilty, but not in the way that Zophar believed. Zophar believed that the direct cause of all of Job's suffering was some significant sin that he had committed in his life. We know that's not the case. Job had pride issues, but Job hadn't committed any flagrant sin. He was, in fact, living in a way that was more righteous than anyone else in the world in that day according to God's own testimony. Today we move into the rest of his attacks which we're going to find sounds suspiciously like the prosperity gospel of today. He tells Job if you'll just repent Job and have faith everything will work out fine. And by the way that message was just as rotten then as it is today. But first we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy says Job, not only are you guilty before god said you are ignorant of god beginning in verse 5 oh that god would speak and open his lips against thee zophar says i just wish god would come on the scene and tell you what's going on He, he said i know exactly what god will do i know what god will do if he shows up he will put you in your place now not to spoil the ending okay here's a spoiler alert God does come on the scene about chapter I think it's chapter 38 and in chapter 38 when God does come on the scene he doesn't do exactly what Zophar expected him to do he expected him to come on the scene and rebuke Job and he does but he doesn't stop with Job he rebukes all of them that have been speaking and in fact he tells Job Job you better go make a sacrifice for them or I'm going to kill them. <laughs> That's how bad off they were. Now, Job was off too in some ways, but they were so far off the mark that Job had to sacrifice on their behalf. <laughs> I, love, I love the fact that, you know, sometimes we've got to be careful what we ask for. I just wish God would show up and tell you, what, well, God may show up if you're not careful. and He may just bring a little truth to both of you. <laughs> he may set us all right. You know, there was a story I heard one time about this preacher who had a woman in his congregation that was uh, uh, that he he knew some things she was doing that were wrong, and he knew she needed to hear she needed to be corrected, but he didn't want to just go to her directly and do that. So, uh, so he got up and he preached about all the things that she knew she was doing wrong. And after the service, she came. You know, he shook her hand. She said, "Preacher, you sure told them today." <laughs> Well, he didn't get the point across, he realized. So the next Sunday, he decided he was going to get even more pointed. And he just, man, he preached on snuff dipping and everything else that was going on. And, buddy, he laid it out there to where nobody could miss that he was talking to her. The people sitting around her knew that he was talking to her. And after the service, he went up and shook her hand. And she said, Preacher, you sure told him today. (laughs) And then finally, the next Sunday, he said, I just don't know what to the next Sunday. It snowed. It was bad weather. Nobody was there except that one woman. She was sitting, the only one in the congregation. So the preacher said, I got her now. Man, he laid down on it. He put it out there where nobody could misunderstand that he was getting on to her. She was the only one there. And after it was over, he was, you know, preparing for whatever reaction there'd be. And she came up to him and said, Preacher, I'm going to tell you something. I just wish they'd been here today because you sure would have told them. (laughs) She never could understand that it was not about them it was about her that's what zophar is doing zophar is putting he is he is being judgmental about Job in the sense that he he knows the truth and he knows it can't be him we don't need to be oblivious to our own faults zophar was having problems with that you see and notice here in verse six and and i want to i want to kind of digress on verse six just for a minute Remember verse 5, Oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Here, you know, I said when we started this series that these three miserable comforters that are so off on their focus, they sometimes get it right in some of their statements. There's a lot of true statements that they make, and this is one of those true statements. This is one of those that uh, explain that, that, that you can take and you can preach from all day long because it's true. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. And he also said this, the, the, the wisdom of God is double to that which is. He's right about that. In other words, that, that, that word double there literally means a doubling of the jaws literally in hebrew a doubling of the jaws in other words god's wisdom has double folds there's much more to it than we can see one of the commentators that i read about on this verse said that that there there is uh, uh, there's two sides to god's wisdom there's multiple multiple sides rather to god's wisdom well, there's true. You remember Romans eleven thirty three tells us, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There's no doubt this is a true statement. There's also no doubt that God is exacting of Job less than his iniquity deserves. Can any of us say here that we have received of God that which we deserve? I hope not. Because what I deserve is not to be standing here today. What I deserve is to be in hell today. And, And if he never blessed me again, he's already blessed me more than I deserve to be blessed. But you see, these are true statements. But the problem is that Zophar is applying these and using these in a legalistic and harsh way that has no love associated with it. You remember you remember Ephesians, over in Ephesians, the third chapter, Paul, Paul writes this in verse 14. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, <clears throat> that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now listen to this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What essentially Zophar is saying here is I want you to know the length and the height and the depth of God and His wisdom. But he's not approaching it in love. You see, Paul says we need to. He says, but we've got to be rooted and grounded in love first. I mean, come on. What good would it do if you've gone through some tragedy? If I walk up to you and you're laying in the hospital bed, maybe dying of some disease, and I, and I come to you and I, I I sit by your bed and I say, well, you know, you're not getting even half of what you deserve. <laughs> I mean, how, how comforting would that? You, you know, you, you'd run me out of the hospital room. If family was there, they'd probably beat me to death. (laughs) I heard about a preacher up in Birmingham, actually, uh, where a fellow was, uh, this is a little off topic, but this fellow was, uh, a young man was murdered who was in a gang. And uh, the preacher got up there to preach his funeral and told the congregation that he was in hell today and they were going if they didn't watch it. <laughs> they, they drug him out as the gang members drug him out and beat him half to death out there. You know, that's what, that's what would happen if I came in there and started giving you some kind of legal legalism and harshness. And that, how, What comfort would that be? You know, the problem is here, Zophar did not start out with love for Job like he ought to. Now that doesn't mean we wink at sin. Don't get me wrong. You know, if there's something in your life that you're doing especially me as pastor that I see that's that's going to end up in destruction it's my duty in love to come to you and to talk to you about that and it's not just my duty it's the duty of every church member to help each other out but don't approach it if you don't look if you don't have love in your hearts, the best thing to do is keep your mouth shut if you're if you're angry and upset and bitter then just stay silent and don't say anything. If you can do it in love, you can talk. See, Zophar is telling Job, and be, look, look in verse 7. He said, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. He's saying, I want you to know how deep and wide God is. But he's not starting from being rooted and grounded in love. In verse 10 here, he says, Job, God knows all about you and he easily could punish you more than he has. If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain men, he seeketh wickedness also. Will not he then consider it? Now look at verse 12. I got to stop there just for a second. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. Now, this is another one of those true statements. I don't know, I didn't know this term for a while, but some of you younger folks will know it. Some of you older folks probably, hadn't, like me, hadn't heard of it. But in, in the movies, there's this term uh, about, that there's this uh, idea of an Easter egg. It's a movie Easter egg, okay? And what that is, like in the Marvel universe of movies, they would have these Easter eggs, they call them, planted throughout the movies, and they're, they're hidden references and sometimes inside jokes or clues to the plot's development that are subtly incorporated into the on-screen action. Okay? One that, that I'm familiar with is in the Incredible Hulk movie in 2008. Um, some of you may remember the Incredible Hulk series that was when I was coming up, uh, Lou Ferrino, a bodybuilder, played the Incredible Hulk. Well, in the Incredible Hulk movie, the remake in 2008, Lou Ferrino was a security guard in that movie so he appeared and it was kind of a a throwback if you will it was a hidden reference and later on in the Wonder Woman movie in 19 Wonder Woman 1984 at the very end of that movie uh Linda Carter who played the original Wonder Woman shows up in a in a in a screen a credit in credit scene. And so, uh, so that's that's what I'm talking. A little Easter egg. It's just things that are dropped in there as subtle references. Well, I don't want to diminish <laughs> somehow the uh, uh, the glory of God by saying this is an Easter egg, but in a sense, this is okay. There's several of these dropped throughout here, and that is a. Hidden reference, if you will, to the fact of the Lord Jesus Christ coming in order to pay for the sin debt of God's people. I don't have time to go through it all, but just notice this. Vain man, empty man, the emptiness of man. He he is an empty creature. Vain man would be wise, though he be born like a wild ass's colt. You you remember the time when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem upon a colt, the foal of an ass, upon whom never man had sat? I believe this is a reference to that fact, and it's a type of the fact that man, you know, in Proverbs 26 and verse 3, he says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. In other words, you can drive a horse with a whip, but you've got to ride a donkey. And that's what man is like. You remember that, that, that colt upon which no man had sat that Jesus Christ just sat right up on top of? it. Man is like the wild ass's colt. Man is like a wild donkey. He cannot be broken. He cannot be driven. Oh, but when the Lord Jesus Christ gets on board, he can ride him. He can tame him. He can bring him under control. I wish I had all morning to preach on that, Brother Glennon, but I don't. But here again is one of those true statements that's used in the wrong way. What he's saying here to Job in using this statement is he's saying when essentially... <laughs> When a man can have a donkey for a child, or when a donkey can be born to a man, then a man like you can find wisdom. He's saying, you are so ignorant of God, and you need to, you need to repent, he tells Job. Notice in verse 13, If you prepare your heart, if thou prepare thine heart, and stretch out thine hands toward him, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, And let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then thou shalt lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shalt not fear. Because thou shalt forget thy misery and remember it as waters that pass away. In other words, Job, make yourself right with God. If you can just get right with God, all these troubles will go away. I've said this before that Bildad and Eliphaz and Zophar particularly are the first proponents of the prosperity gospel. You just name it and claim it. You have enough wit faith and you'll 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 pull through. It's all on you, Job. It's your problem. You're the problem, you see. You need to you need to just just exercise that faith a little more. You, listen, we all ought to exercise our faith more. But I'm telling you, beloved, we don't send $100 to the church and expect to get $10,000 back. If you do something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. He says, "Job, Make yourself right with God. And let me just say, it didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. It doesn't work now. See, this idea of a one-for-one reckoning of sin will lead us to despair. Notice he said, you know, we just read verses 13 through 15, if you'll just prepare your heart, if you'll just get right. But you know what that does? That leads us to despair because we need mercy. I need mercy now. I know I need mercy eternally, but I need mercy Now. And then in verses 16 through 18, he starts really harping on this prosperity gospel. He said, Because you shall forget your misery and remember as waters that pass away. Verse 17, And thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth and shalt be as the morning. Thou shalt be secure because there's hope. Yea, thou shalt dig about thee and shalt take thy rest in safety. Job, just join the church and everything will be all right. All your troubles will go away. Just just start giving to the church and everything will be hunky-dory. Your mortgage will get paid. All your loans will be forgiven. (laughs) You know, that's being taught in the world. That's being taught out there in the denominational world in some places. As I said, it didn't work then and it doesn't work now. You know what I love about the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ? It is realistic. It is realistic. And it doesn't overpromise. It doesn't make false promises. There are preachers in the world that make you false promises, beloved. But you're not going to hear me make you false promises. What's going to happen when you join the church? Well, quite frankly, you're probably going to have an assault of Satan greater than you've ever had. <laughs> I know i would never forget, as I've told you before, when I surrendered to the call to preach with Brother Spann over in the uh, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church in Columbus, Mississippi, and I was talking to him about the fact that I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach. And he, and he, was, all, he was excited, he was congratulatory, but I could tell he was holding back, and, he, and at the end I realized why. He said, now, Brother Chris, I want to tell you something. He said, you have never had an assault of Satan like you're about to have. So be ready for it. And you know what? He was exactly right. You know, when I joined this church, all my troubles didn't go away. All my problems didn't cease. My daddy still died. Other church members have still died. I still have sicknesses. I still have illnesses. I still can't work out like Mason. (laughs) I have no illusions that I may ever be able to. But I can tell you this. Having, having followed the Lord, having having tried to walk in in closer fellowship with Him, as the song says, poor and afflicted though I am, I have a rich almighty friend. You see, that's the difference in the true gospel and these false gospels, the prosperity gospels in the world. This is Zophar saying, Job, you just need to get right with God and everything will be alright and... He goes on to say in verses 19 and 20, you'll lie down and none will make you afraid. He said, the eyes of the wicked will fail, but they shall not escape. And their hope's like giving up the ghost. So let me just wrap this up and ask the question, how much comfort have you taken so far from what Zophar has said? If you're like me, you've taken none. I get no comfort from this. But this, as we continue looking at this encounter between Zophar and Job, we're going to find something. We're going to find that Job is going to continue to display his faith. He's going to talk for three chapters in response to Zophar. You remember our themes, patience, pride, and pity? Here we're about to see some of Job's great patience. There's some pride mixed in, yes. There's some confusion on Job's part about what's happening and why. But here we see some of Job's great patience. He will begin to show that forth, this idea of keeping on, keeping on, that all of us ought to display in the face of suffering. You remember James, and we've quoted it, but I want to turn over there for just a second, over in the book of James, the fifth chapter. And let's just read the context there of this statement about Job. In chapter 5 of James, verse 7, He's, james is talking to these christians in the first century about being patient in the face of suffering and this is what he says he says be patient therefore brethren now listen unto the coming of the lord you know where the patient you know where the hope of our patience lies it doesn't lie and these things are going to work themselves out or god's going to intervene and and pay off my mortgage or he's going to fix the problems in my family or he's going to fix the problems at work no what he's where our hope lies is in the coming of the lord the next great event in human history is the return of the lord jesus christ and and i don't and and i want you to think about this now maybe you're suffering this morning maybe there's troubles in your household maybe there's troubles in your life and your work and your Maybe you're sick. I don't know. Maybe you're suffering inside mentally. Maybe you're suffering in grief or whatever it may be. What if the Lord returns before I finish this message? What if the Lord comes back today? You know, there are days in my life when I have no other hope. Things are going so bad in my life that I don't have any other hope, but I look up to heaven and I say, Lord, come quickly as John the Revelator said. And when I can think of that, you know, I've told you before, we ought to live our lives every single day as if the resurrection were only 30 seconds away. Well, that puts a new perspective on things, doesn't it? He said, be patient under the coming of the Lord. And he goes on to talk about, he says, verse 8, be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And he goes on down in References the prophets and in verse 11, he said, you've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. In other words, just hang on, child of God. Things in this life are never going to be like they should be. We're strangers and sojourners and pilgrims in a strange land and the city we look for is not a city of men. It's a city made without hands, the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to see Job goes. The key to enduring all suffering is to remember that we are not home yet. In fact, Job is going to get to that in the 14th chapter, and he's going to ask a question that's relevant to all of us: If a man die, shall he live again?" And the answer he gives is the source of his hope. He said, "All the days of my appointed time will I wait?" Till my change come, thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. You know what I try to do when I'm trying to comfort somebody who's suffering? I mean, it'd be great. We all have these delusions of grandeur, don't we? Where if I can just say something that would perk them up and turn their lives around. I, I can't do that. All the wisdom of this world is foolishness. In comparison to God, mm-hmm. but you know what I try to do. Even at the deathbed, even as in the in the past year or two, I've had the occasion to be with someone who was clearly just about to leave this world. Point them to the resurrection. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It heals his wounds, soothes his sorrows, and drives away his fears see that's what i i hope i'll be honest with you i love you all so much i would love it if on my deathbed the whole church could be standing around my my bed and 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 i just want you to sing that song or or some other song that points me to the fact that the lord jesus christ is coming back so that's what zophar should have done he should have said joe You're in a bad shape, brother. I don't know why, but I know this. Our Lord loves us, and he's coming to get us one day. That's where Job found comfort, and we'll see that as we continue. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you, and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace.